This is Coffee, Wine, and Chocolate, a podcast inspired by people, places, and things. Welcome. I'm your host, Dawn. You can find me at all the links I've provided below in the notes. But specifically, you can find me at the podcast website, which is coffeewineandchocolate.com. Good day, my fellow friends. I am talking today to start us off about coffee and what's the best way to make your coffee. Here's a list that I have gotten from an article in Home Grounds, and it is called Looking for the Best Way to Make Coffee? Here's a complete list. And their list goes like this. Quick summary of coffee brew methods. Here we go. Espresso machine. Handheld espresso maker. A stovetop espresso maker, which I have, and I love I love doing the coffee on top of that, but I barely ever get a chance to. And then there is also the AeroPress, the French press, coffee bag, vacuum siphon pot, percolator, Manual power over coffee makers and machine power over coffee makers. There are so many different ways to make coffee. We have a neighbor whose son has gotten all into making coffee and the different ways of making coffee. And he's trying these different things now. And, um, of course, I had to get him a bag of my parents' coffee while I was in the States um, a couple weeks ago. And... He said it is great, of course, and they just tried it yesterday for the first time, so they really enjoyed it, and I'm so happy about that. <laughs> anyway, this article starts out saying, 10 years ago, someone asked you how you brew coffee. Your answer was predictable. Espresso, or maybe an Americano, right? Today, with all the new and progressive coffee brewing methods available, you may have a tough time deciding on just one method as your go-to. Cold drip, question mark, pour over, question mark, and AeroPress brew, question mark. You get the point. The list goes on. You may swear by the French press brewer, but unless you've tried them all, how do you know what you're missing? Right? And they proceed to go through the guide of how you can do the different kinds of coffee making. And it's very interesting. So they start out with the espresso machine, of course, like I said. And they give you pictures of it, even. So you have all kinds of different things that you can look at. So it's very, very interesting to see what all they have available. So they explain how you can use the espresso maker and what to expect. And then they go through the mocha pot or stovetop espresso machine, like I was talking about the Italian one that I have. It's so cute. And how to do that, the benefits of it, what to expect. And they go through each thing that I, that I read off of the list. The AeroPress, which I've never heard of, um, which is very interesting to me the way that it looks. And then they go to the brewing by steeping, just another word for immersion. And it's the most fundamental and long, longest standing method of brewing coffee, of course. And then there's the French press, which I've never tried, but I do have actually a French press that I have not ever used because I was going to try it and haven't had a chance to. 
or haven't taken the chance to. Then there's the soft brew. Then they go through that and how to do it, and they use the coffee bags. The idea of instant coffee is great. It comes in a small jar, so you can take it anywhere. I do not care for instant coffee, just so you know. And then there is the vacuum pot, which I've seen be used by um, a coffee producer. Um, So it's very interesting on how that works. The next one on the list is brewing using filtration or dripping. And then the electric percolator, which was one that used to be used a lot before all the other brewing types came about. There's the Chemex Brewer. Never seen that one before, but that was interesting. Hario V60. The next one they have is the Kalita Wave Brewer. Some of these I have never seen before. It's very interesting to go through this article and see what all they have. Then there's the Vietnamese Fin. A lot of these I haven't seen before, and they're very interesting to see what others have used to do coffee. There's the Melita Ready Set Joe, which is a plastic portable cone. Interesting. Then there's the Bee House Dripper. There's so many different ones. There's the Clever Dripper, Cold Drip Brewing, which I've heard of and have not done. And let's see, the Nitrous Coffee. So you use... You use nitrogen to do this. It's very interesting. It's cold brew coffee. (laughs) And then there's the boiling coffee, of course. The cowboy coffee. The Turkish coffee. The coffee brewing methods infographic. And they have all the different kinds of coffee makers. It's a very interesting article. So if you can, go to homegrounds.co and you can get this article i will actually have it listed in my notes so that you can at your own leisure go through it and see the different kinds of ways to do coffee it's so interesting to me i've i never thought about all these different methods until i read this article so it's very interesting and fun to to look at and read so enjoy and now we'll get on with meat of the show and it's regarding pets and how great they are when it comes to mental health So for my podcast today, I am going to be sharing just a few different articles on animals and the way that they help with our mental health, our anxiety, our loneliness, um, our different health problems that we might have. There's a few articles that I found that I really want to share and that supports all these things. And so I hope you enjoy it. And here we go. So for the main part of my episode today. I want to talk about how pet ownership benefits your mental health. And I know for a fact, when I was on my own during the pandemic lockdown, I had my my cat, Angel. And she was a big benefit to being with me because on days that I was not that great, she always made me smile. She would either come and cuddle up with me or she would play and be silly and make me laugh. And she just was the best thing to get me through all of that lonely time I was on my own for um, during the pandemic. And of course, I wasn't always on my own because I had my mom and dad near, but 
when I was at the house by myself, it, it really helped to have her there with me. If I had not had a pet, I don't know what I would have done. I would have been into probably worse depression than anything, but she was there and she helped me through it. And I know others have had, like those that, that need a pet to help them with their mental health, like PTSD or um, any kind of other help that health-wise you need a pet for, like if you have seizures or anything like that. Pets are amazing how they can be so smart and know what's going on with us and our bodies too. And it's, like I said, just amazing to realize how much a pet can influence how you are and get you through each day. I read this article uh, through Medivet website, and um, it talks about how pets are proven to help reduce stress and anxiety. And in many homes, they play a vital role in easing loneliness, like I said. (laughs) Um, Dogs in particular can contribute because... With dog, with cats, yeah, you can cuddle up with them, but it's on their terms. Normally, it's not on ours, and so a dog can actually benefit. I think a little bit more because you can hug on them, and they'll come and lay their head on your lap, you know, and they always know when you need that little extra loving, and if I felt at the time that I could afford to have a dog too, I would have. But at that point, I, I knew that I didn't need to have the responsibility of a dog too. <laughs> and so I just benefited from having mom and dad's dogs when I went over there. So they were, they're great. Dogs are a blessing because they give us that extra touch that we need, extra... I don't know, cuddling, I guess, that sometimes we need when we are down in our thoughts and down in our emotions. Um, They also benefit you by making you get out there and walk and be in the fresh air. They, uh, They need the exercise and the walk, so you get that benefit too when you have to take them out. So it's not only just them being there to cuddle and, and hug on to, but to get you out there and get the exercise that you need. Um, both pets are great listeners. They 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 don't care what you're saying as long as you know you're giving them attention while you're doing it. <laughs> but it helps us. It benefits us by being able to just talk to them and and get stuff out that you know you would keep in your head if you no one was around or you'd look kind of crazy if somebody walked by and you were talking to yourself <laughs> i mean it's already funny when you're talking to a pet but at least you have a reason to right uh, so in that way they help with the anxiety and stress and, and loneliness you know that people can have by being by themselves supposedly they they support our overall well-being because they are there and what it says in the article is, according to H-A-B-R-I, Habri, 74% of pet owners say that owning a pet has improved their mental health. Studies show that human-animal interaction increases oxytocin levels in the brain, resulting in a sense of calm, comfort, and focus. 
Not only that, but a study of over 600 cat owners by Cats Protection and the Mental Health Foundation found that 87% felt owning a cat had a positive impact on their well-being, while 76% said they could better cope with life thanks to the company of their pet. See? And I understand that um, having a, a pet or a dog um, can help children with autism and ADHD. It keeps them kind of focused, like... According to the Human Animal Bond Research Institute, it says, pet therapy sessions have shown to increase social functions, decrease isolation, and improve independence in children with autism. Similarly, children with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder can benefit from keeping a pet. By taking charge of feeding, walking, and bathing, they can learn to plan and take responsibility. The exercise that playing with a pet offers also releases excess energy to help children feel calmer at night. So pets are a blessing and they help us through a lot. There's also another article I found on mentalhealth.org.uk that says, How can a pet help my mental health? Caring for a pet can help our mental health in many ways, including increasing your physical activity, Like I said, dog owners are likely to take their pet out every day for a walk or run. This can be a fun way to fit exercise into your routine. Providing companionship. Pets can give you a sense of security and someone to share the day with. Caring for them can help you feel wanted and needed. This can be especially valuable for older people or those who live alone. Reducing anxiety. The companionship of a pet can help to ease your anxiety, of course. Boosting self-confidence. Pets can be great listeners. Offer unconditional love and won't criticize you. (laughs) Of course. This can help your self-confidence, especially if you feel isolated or misunderstood. They can help you meet new people. Dog owners often stop and catch to, to chat to each other on walks, but other pets can be a way to meet people too. In pet shop, training classes, or online groups, for example. Like when we take our dog for a walk, we always meet someone that has another dog and we just strike up a conversation just because we have dogs and we meet each other and say hello and let the dogs meet. And it's it's amazing how many people you get to know because you have a dog. It's It's awesome. And the other thing is adding structure to your day. Having to feed, exercise, and care for a pet can help you keep to a daily routine, which can help you feel more grounded and focused. It can give your day purpose and a sense of achievement. Pets may also help with specific conditions. For example, people with ADHD, like I said before, may benefit from the structure and routine that a pet needs. And autistic people can benefit from having a pet. Pets provide the kind of unconditional relationship that can help someone build social skills and confidence. They can provide a sense of calm and reassurance if their owner feels overwhelmed. Autistic children with sensory issues can involve their pet in sensory integration activities to help them get used to how something feels against their skin or how it smells or sounds. And it also states that later on in the article, what if I can't have a pet? Um, The thing is, sometimes people can't afford to have a pet because of 
medical and food and everything else that it needs. So then there's places that, that you can go to have that contact with an animal. Like what they have in here is a place called Borrow My Doggy or the Cinnamon Trust where they have volunteer dog walkers. So it's really... They have things around where you are normally that you can go and be with animals. Um, They even have petting zoos and things like that if you need to. So there's always some kind of way to get that pet contact in. The walking dog one is great, I think. So there's always ways to to get in touch with pets, uh, cats and dogs especially, to get that that contact, that attention um, that pets can give you for your mental health. I also found an article on thehour.com. Um, it's about stories on how important service animals can be. They say, you've heard the stories about emotional support, peacocks on airplanes, and probably rolled your eyes. But bona fide whip-smart assistance animals can actually turn people's lives around. So what's the difference between a service animal and an emotional support animal? Only dogs, and in some cases miniature horses, (laughs) legally qualify as service animals, meaning they've been trained to aid someone with a disability and are allowed in any public place. Emotional support animals, companions for people with depression, anxiety, and other mental health disorders, don't have these rights, but often, with a doctor's note, you can take them on a plane or in no-pets-allowed apartments. And they have a story of three different women that would be leading very different lives if not for their four-legged companions. Their stories speak for themselves. The first lady is Madison, who's 28, her diabetic alert dog, Willie. And she says, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes as a freshman in college. The disease, while life-changing, felt manageable at first. I kept an eye on my glucose with a monitor. And if I felt any of the warning signs of low, low blood sugar, such as Sweating or dizziness, I'd use a pump to deliver the insulin my body wasn't producing. But three years after I was diagnosed, I developed hypoglycemia unawareness, a condition in which I no longer experienced any of those medical red flags. I wanted to live alone, but I was terrified that I might fall into a coma in the middle of the night. Dangerous side effect of low blood sugar. So I was thrilled when a family member told me about dogs trained to sniff out a drop or spike in a person's blood sugar through a unique scent in our breath or sweat that's undetectable to humans. So in January 2017, Can-Do Canines matched me with Willie, two-year-old golden retriever who's now my 24-7 companion. Even before my glucose monitor detects a a drop in blood sugar, Willie will paw at my leg or lie at my feet so I know I need to grab juice or applesauce to bring the level back up. If I become debilitated from a drop, Willie knows to retrieve the glucose tablets I keep around the house, bring my phone over so I can call 911, and bark or scratch at doors to get help from neighbors. Once in the middle of a work week meeting, Willie signaled that my blood sugar was dropping. I had tested myself recently, and it had seemed fine, but I grabbed my meds just in case. It was a good idea. Ten minutes later, I had a scary crash. The next story is about um, a girl named Sam, who's 22, and her emotional support cat, Cleo. 
My junior year in college, the depression, anxiety attacks, and obsessive-compulsive disorder I had battled for years became so debilitating that I had thoughts of harming myself. I decided to apply for an emotional support animal. I went through a detailed application and interview process with my university's disability office, and soon after being approved, I visited a shelter. There, I felt an immediate connection with Cleo, a two-year-old tortoiseshell cat. Cleo seems to have a sixth sense that helps her tune in to my emotions. If I'm angry, sad, or afraid, she rubs up against me until I pet her, which helps shift my mind away from what's bugging me. Just knowing I have something to come home to and take care of helps me get through each day. I've received some flack from fellow students who think I only applied for an ESA so I could have a pet on campus, but most visitors light up when they see her in my dorm room. The next girl is Stacy, and she's 38, and her service dog, Charlie. She says, I was an Air Force photographer for 10 years before retiring in 2008 due to combat injuries, including trauma to my brain. Back home, I suffered from ongoing physical and emotional pain, PTSD, anxiety, and later seizures. I knew other veterans who had benefited from service dogs, but I didn't want people staring or knowing that I needed help. Then two years ago, I had a grand mal seizure, which changed my outlook. What if I had another one, this time without my husband around? Last November, America's vet dogs paired me with Charlie, now a two-year-old black lab, and I don't leave the house without him. I have some deafness in one ear, and Charlie alerts me when people are coming up behind us, so I'm not startled. A leftover reflex from war. If I lose my balance, he presses up against me to stabilize me. If I'm thrashing in my sleep from a PTSD nightmare, he'll nudge me awake or pull off the covers and put his head on my lap to be petted until my heart rate comes down. If I were to have a big seizure, he knows to find help if I'm alone and then lie by my side until I come around. Charlie and I travel the country photographing veterans. His presence in public is a protection in and of itself. If I stir my words or fall, strangers might assume I'm intoxicated, but with Charlie by my side, they know I need help. I used to feel like a burden to loved ones, but now I feel the shackles have been taken off. So as you see, different reasons for different service animals. I think it's so important to have that availability to people because as that last person, um, I have seen how service dogs... And PTSD can be such a big help to those that need it. And I just think it's it's so important to have that service available to any of our military or like what's going on in the in Ukraine. Those people eventually might need something like a service dog to help them through as well because of the trauma they've gone through. I hope that there are those out there that if they feel embarrassed or that they might be seen as a problem because they have these problems, PTSD or whatever. I hope they realize that they're not and that it's important for them to have that support and can get out there and get it um, with a service dog or service pet in any way that they can because it helps them through it. And as you see from these stories, it really does. Now for my last story or my last article positivity. I am sharing one called Facility Dogs Help to Heal the Sick 
at Children's Hospitals from Florida to New York. This is on the times.co.uk, but you can find it on the Sunday Times. And if you need, you can get a free trial just to get to this story. Um, or if you have our subscriber, you can log in and get it as well. Um, it states that when doctors at a children's hospital in Florida are trying to persuade a patient to get out of bed after a lengthy period of treatment, they sometimes call on a new member of staff hired two months ago who is more persuasive than the most charming of their physiotherapists. It helps that he is a dog. Parks, who is two, is part of a new class of facility dogs, highly trained animals, usually Labradors, with a repertoire of skills that includes turning on lights, opening drawers, passing playing cards, and lying still on the lap of a patient and as they undergo uncomfortable procedures. How great is that? To know that they have these animals that help children through any of the things that they're going through in a hospital, like loneliness or procedures that they're scared of or any of that kind of thing, to have those animals there to help them through them, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful idea. And... This article just talks about that and how these different dogs um, help in supporting the children of these hospitals. And I just thought it was really, really great. Something happy to look at and read. And it's a very short article, but it's very (laughs) enlightening on how these animals are helping the children. And I just hope that you have enjoyed this this program today, this podcast, and I have touched on something that is important possibly to you, or now that you know, you have found that it is an important thing to know and to share. And I hope you all have a wonderful week, a wonderful day. As you go out, just find something that makes you smile, something that is positive each day to keep getting through it. Thanks, you guys. Now go out today as you're going about your business. Whatever you do today, if you come upon somebody that you see that has something on that you like or the hair has done some way that you like or whatever you might see that you like, let them know. They may be having a bad day and you could be giving them something that makes them smile. Tell them so. Tell them hi. Even just a smile or a hello will make someone's day. Have a great day, you guys. Thanks. <laughs>